from the Haderbeck Catechism we read together, Lord's Day 45. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only, who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery, so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation, that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you pray? Yes, I know that many of you say prayers around the table or listen to such prayers. Our school kids begin and end the school day with prayer. They do lunchtime devotions and participate in chapel. When we gather together in worship, we call on the name of the Lord thanking him for his blessings and petitioning him with our needs. But again, I want to ask the question, do you pray? Is your heart involved in regularly talking to God? What kind of things do you talk to God about? Is it just asking for a blessing on our food and praying for the forgiveness of our sins? Or do you really share your heart with God? In and of itself, praying is easy. You begin by addressing God as Father in heaven and then you talk to him. That's what prayer is. It's talking to God. Yet many Christians struggle to pray. And if we regularly pray, we struggle not to get into the rut of repeating the same kind of words day after day. Our hearts are not always intimately connected to God. When there's something in the way of that heart connection with God, we struggle to pray effectively. We face a number of obstacles to prayer. We're talking to a God whom we cannot see. To a God who is highly exalted in the heavens. While we are but creatures of the dust, living on this earth. 
At times, we have a distorted perspective on who God is. And that can get in the way of calling on his name. It's hard to call God our Father when we've never experienced the unconditional love and acceptance of a Father on earth. It's difficult to rely on God's help when hardships and struggles weigh us down and when we feel like God is not helping us in our time of need. There are other obstacles to praying well. When we pray publicly, we can get more focused on what others think about our prayer than on the God to whom our prayer is addressed. Sometimes in the busyness of life, we don't set aside time for prayer. We get up too late to begin the day with reading from the Bible and calling on the name of the Lord. By evening time, we're so tired, it's a struggle to string together our thoughts, to pray to God. One of the big, biggest obstacles to prayer is our own arrogance and pride. There are times in life when we think we don't need God, because we think we're doing quite well ourselves. We'd never say that, and we struggle to admit it. But there are times when life is going well that we don't feel a particular need for God. Our sins can also get in the way of heartfelt communion with God. We struggle with anger or envy or lust or covetousness. These sinful desires come out in our words and deeds. But we never talk to God about them. We're unwilling to humble ourselves and to acknowledge our wrongs. The result is that our sins become a barrier in effective communion with God. Yeah, beloved, God wants us to live in prayerful communion with him. He commands us to pray. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 17 and 18, Paul urges us, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God wants us to live in intimate fellowship with him and to experience this in our prayerful connection with him. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. Our gracious heavenly father loves it when we engage him in prayer. God is pleased when our prayers include a heartfelt calling on God, a humble dependency on God, and a sincere confidence in God. When God created man, he wanted a close relationship with him. In Genesis, we read about the close communion there was between God and man in paradise. God walked and talked with Adam and Eve. The Lord established a covenant with mankind. In that way, he bound himself to Adam. He said, walk with me, Adam, and you will enjoy life forevermore. Or as the form for baptism puts it, we are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
to trust him and to love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. For a time, Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect communion with our Father in heaven. And then they sinned. They broke the covenant by eating of the tree from which God had forbidden them to eat. This brought man's perfect communion with God to an end. It is, as Paul writes in Ephesians 2, man became dead in his transgressions and sins. Yet God still desired communion with us. He called out, Adam, where are you? A question full of love. God throws a lifeline, calling us back from out of darkness into his wondrous light. In Genesis 3.15, God reestablished the covenant. He spoke of the coming of the seed of the woman, a reference to the coming Christ. He would come to save us from our sins, to deliver us from the power of Satan. As mediator of the new covenant, he would restore us to communion with God again. Christ has come. By his death on the cross, he has restored us in our relationship with the Father. We may stand in a right relationship with God. We've been restored to the wonderful position of being sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Just like a father desires intimate contact with his children, so the Lord also wants a close relationship with us. We are members of the covenant of grace. We belong to him. The covenant we have with God is two-sided. The Lord speaks and acts, and in response, we speak and we act. The Lord speaks first and we listen. Then we may also speak and he listens to us. Prayer is that act of speaking. When we pray, we address God, praising him for the glorious deeds which he has done and which he continues to do on our behalf. We thank him for his grace and goodness. We call on him to fulfill the promises that he has made to us. We expect all good things from out of his fatherly hand. If you're in a close relationship with someone, you talk with them. Since God has restored us to communion with him, he expects us to talk to him, sharing our heart, opening up about all that's going on in our life, communicating at a deep level with the God of our existence. Prayer is a necessary part in the life of every Christian. It stands at the heart of our relationship with God. When we pray, we acknowledge God for who he is. Praying is an act of faith. It shows forth our utter dependence on God. However, when life is going good for us, we don't always feel a need to pray. We can become complacent in our relationship with the Lord. We tend to think we're doing all right in life because of our own wisdom, strength, or hard work. Our self-reliance can get in the way of intimate communion with God. 
This is often different when we face struggles and sorrows in life. At times, God brings struggles and hardships upon us. And one of the reasons he does so is to teach us to trust in him. God's purpose for us is not to give us a comfortable ride through life. It is to draw us close to him. So we may live in close fellowship with him now and forevermore. King Jehoshaphat was a godly king who walked in the ways of his forefather David. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commandments. Jehoshaphat took delight in the ways of the Lord. He removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. Jehoshaphat wanted his people to share in the blessed communion he had with God. It's worth noting the specific actions he took to teach the people about the Lord, to help them serve him. Jehoshaphat sent his leaders to teach in the cities of Judah. With them he sent Levites and priests. 2 Chronicles 17 verse 9 says, And they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went about through all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. The results were dramatic. Chronicles does not say that the fear of God fell on the people. No, the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. Judah's service of the Lord had such an effect on the surrounding nations, they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Instead, the Philistines and the Arabs brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute. Beloved, we as parents and as teachers have a task in teaching our children and our young people to pray. We can give specific instruction about how they are to address God, what they are to thank God for, and how they may lay their needs before the throne of grace. But we also need to model this in how we pray. We are to be good examples by thanking God for specific blessings and asking for particular needs. Children can sense if we have a heartfelt connection with God or if we're just saying a rote prayer. The Lord God himself will also at times draw us into prayerful communion with him. Sometimes he does that by confronting us with hardships and struggles in our lives. The Lord did that with King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. He allowed a great horde made up of Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites to rise up and make war against the kingdom of Judah. Reports came to Jehoshaphat about this threat. The very survival of Judah was at stake. If these nations accomplished what they set out to do, the kingdom of Judah would be annihilated. The line leading to the Messiah would be wiped out. God's kingdom would be destroyed. God can also confront us with particular struggles to help us see how much we need him. Sometimes we're faced with ongoing illness or with struggles with anxiety or depression. Others among us are confronted with financial hardships, 
with debt and worries about how to make ends meet. Some face struggles in their marriages or in their relationships with loved ones or close friends. Others face a lot of stress at work or in caring for their children at home. There are times when particular sins get in the way of close communion with God. The Lord may confront us with the consequences of those sins. So we see our need to have a living relationship with Him. In different ways, God can grab a hold of us. He can put our back up against the wall. So we turn to Him. So we seek His help in our time of need. In 2 Chronicles 20, we see how King Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord. He was confronted with powerful enemies. And so he proclaimed a fast in the land. All Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from all the cities in the land. All the men with their wives and children and little ones stood before God. Why? To humble themselves in prayer before their God, seeking his mercy and grace. The people knew they could not save themselves. They knew they needed God. They had a relationship with God, and so in their time of need, they called on the Lord. God can use various circumstances in our lives to draw us into close communion with him as well. Sometimes we struggle with the fact that God allows us to suffer in different ways. We don't always understand why our gracious Heavenly Father allows us to go through hard times. We know He is the all-powerful God, that He loves to give good gifts to His children. But blessings don't always lead to thankfulness. They can make us complacent. God wants us to live in a real relationship with Him, to call upon Him in heartfelt prayer, to talk to Him about the joys and the sorrows of life, to share our sins and our struggles, to involve Him in all the ups and downs of our lives. This brings us to our second point, And it will see how God is pleased when our prayers involve a humble dependency on God. I spoke earlier about how one of the biggest obstacles to prayer is our arrogance and pride. Within us, we have an independent spirit that says, I'll run life my way. At times, we think we can be in control of our own lives. We think we can get ahead in life through our own hard work. There's times when we try to run our lives independent of God. I'm not saying we never pray or acknowledge God in our lives. But when push comes to shove, we feel like we're in charge of our own destiny. We try to chart our own course through life. Living with that kind of an attitude sinful. It's sheer pride. Us, puny, sinful, mortal people, thinking that ultimately we can live independently from God. Thinking we can make it through life without His grace and Spirit. 
I'm not suggesting that any of you would come right out and say such things. But beloved, sometimes we live that way. It comes through in our prayers, in our lack of prayer. In our lives, we don't always demonstrate a humble dependency on God. Sometimes it takes a major upset in life to shake us up to make us aware of our utter need for God's goodness and blessing. King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah were faced with such a situation when a great army made up of Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites rose up to make war against them. How did they respond? There was no way they could defeat this army in their own strength. King Jehoshaphat gathered the people together in Jerusalem in the courtyard of the temple of the Lord. Then he leads God's people in calling on the name of the Lord. Jehoshaphat prayed, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your, people of, before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? We see that Jehoshaphat confessed the Lord to be ruler over all the nations of the earth and the faithful covenant God of his people Israel. Jehoshaphat went on to plead with the Lord on the basis of the prayer that Solomon offered at the dedication of the temple. Solomon had prayed for the Lord to hear and answer the prayers of his people when they came and called upon him in times of disaster, when the sword, judgment, famine, or plague came upon them. The Lord heard that prayer. He promised to hear and save. And so we see that Jehoshaphat was pleading on the basis of God's promises. Jehoshaphat also reminded the Lord who it was that was coming up against Judah. It was the Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites, nations that the Lord forbade his people to attack on their way home from Egypt. The Moabites and Ammonites were descendants of Lot, the friend of Abraham, The Edomites were descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. They had shared in the blessings of the covenant. Yet now they responded to God's grace by coming to wipe out his beloved people. Jehoshaphat prays, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. In this prayer, we see a humble dependency on the Lord. Jehoshaphat confesses that he and his people were powerless against this great horde that was coming against them. The same is true in our lives. In and of ourselves, we cannot stand firm in the faith. We need God's grace and spirit to uphold us and to equip us. We need to know who we are. That we're God's precious children 
redeemed by Christ's blood. We need to know the Father's love for us, of the promises that he's made to us in his word. We need the abiding presence of the Spirit in us, guiding, directing, comforting, and assuring us. Without this, we could not stand strong. We would never remain in the faith. Beloved, when you're faced with sickness, with loneliness, with hardships or struggles, you need to know that God sees and that he cares. In Psalm 56, David confesses to the Lord, You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? This shows that God is intimately aware of our deepest struggles, that he collects our tears and writes our sorrows in his book. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul faced a great struggle with his thorn in the flesh. Despite earnest prayers, God did not remove it from him. But he gave Paul this comfort. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Thus God promised his sustaining grace to give Paul everything he needed to cope with the afflictions and the hardships he faced. May God help us to live in humble dependency on him, relying on his promises and showing this in how we pray to him. This brings us to our final point, and it will see how God is pleased when our prayers involve a sincere confidence in God. King Jehoshaphat and the people pleaded on the promises of the Lord that he made to Israel at the dedication of the temple. They called on the Lord to hear and to provide deliverance. They did so with the earnest expectation the Lord would hear their prayers. Not because Jehoshaphat or the people themselves were so good, but because God is faithful to his promises. The Lord showed forth his faithfulness to all Judah gathered together in front of the courtyard of the temple. The Spirit of the Lord came upon a Levite of the sons of Asaph. He prophesied, saying, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeriel. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Both King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah responded to these words in faith. They went down against their enemy. They left behind the strong fortifications of Jerusalem. 
They trusted in the word of the Lord spoken through his prophet. The people went forth singing. You know what they sang as they went to face this great army encamped against them? They sang, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. It's when they began to sing and praise that the Lord began to fight for them. By going out of Jerusalem to face their enemies, God's people showed their confidence in the Lord. Humanly speaking, their small army was defenseless against this great horde of soldiers arrayed against them. Yet in accordance with his promise, the Lord did not expect his people to engage in warfare with their enemies. The Lord wanted them to be in position to see how he would win the battle for them. The Lord fought for his people. He caused the Moabites and Ammonites to turn on the Edomites and destroy them. Then he caused them to turn against each other and destroy one another. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 24 says, When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde. And behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. God vindicated the trust his people put in him. And that's not all, beloved. God turns this trial into a great blessing for his people. He allowed his people to share in the spoils of his victory. They found a massive amount of goods, clothing, and precious things. There was so much spoil, it took the people three days to collect it all. And why was it that they could share in this rich blessing from God's hand? It was because of their sincere confidence in the Lord. It's because they trusted that he would hear and he would answer their prayers. In the same way, we may pray to God with confidence. Do you know why? It's because Jesus Christ has promised that when we pray in his name, he will hear and he will answer our prayers. Jesus Christ is seated on the throne in heaven at God's right hand. He is our mediator who pleads our cause. By his death, he has opened the way for us to approach God's throne of grace. He has promised to intercede for us. God loves to hear the prayers of his children. He loves to give good gifts to those who are his. For Christ's sake, we may be confident he will hear us and he will grant us all we need for body and soul. Beloved, prayer is talking to God. While there are many obstacles that can get in the way of heartfelt communion with God, God loves it when we engage Him in prayer. Prayer doesn't need to be difficult. 
All it requires is that in a heartfelt way you call on God with humble dependence on Him and sincere confidence in Him. Call on the Lord and He will deliver you. Live in prayerful communion with Him and He will help you through all the ups and downs, through all the joys and sorrows of this life. God made us to live in close fellowship with Him. We give expression to that by living in prayerful communion with Him. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing together from Psalm 136. We'll sing stanzas 1, 2, 9, 12, and 13.